Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Can I Be Funny? I am JQ. So this week it is the wonderful Declan Kennedy, a very fun interview. I did a good laugh doing it. Um, and I keep banging on about iTunes reviews and I've only got like five, but I had my first one star review. Um, not quite sure why he didn't like it. Cringeworthy, I think was one of the words he used, which was amazing. But anyway, I'm not going to let it affect me. I'm going to carry on. Um, if you want to help balance out that one-star review by posting some nice reviews, that would be great. We're into the sort of triple figures now of listeners, so if you can get, just give it just quickly, just just click five stars and say, yeah, it's great. Uh, that'd be amazing. Um, I'm going to promote some of my other podcasts. I'm a bit of a podcast freak. Um, we recorded another one immediately after the uh, recorded Declan's episode, which is called The Sketchheads. That is on iTunes as well. I'm now to episode three of that. That's very funny. And another one I do called The Movie Digest with my good friend Finley Marks. Uh, we do our top five of the week, um, like top five deaths or top five trailers. And there's lots of movie reviews and news in there as well. And there's another one I do called The Average Men, which is with a couple of friends of mine where we just sort of talk about stuff that's happening in our lives. Um, I need to update that one as well. So that's all the promotion over with. I'll stick them on the website so you can quickly find the links. So on with this episode, it's the wonderful Declan Kennedy. So Declan... Hello. Hello. So you caught me the mouthful. Most of... of my podcasts start with someone drinking a drink and me asking. Them, well, who, who am I to book tradition, James? <laughs> exactly. How are you? Uh, I'm not too shabby, thank you, James. How are Good. you? Good. Yeah. I'm all right. Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Just reeling yeah. from my uh, first bad review on iTunes, which we were talking oh, about. No. Oh, uh, no. Oh, no. But we'll get past that. Well, it did call you the main man. It did call it? me the so main that's, man. That's something to, that's something to, to me. We thank that man for. <laughs> Well, it did persistently refer to you as JQ. Yeah. <laughs> Little JQ. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good thing. Is that your rap name? Little it's JQ. My rap, Little Drake. Yeah. That's it. If the comedy doesn't go well, then I'll, uh, I'll revert then to rap. Surely the world of rap <laughs> is calling <laughs> me. <laughs> so let's start with a question which I'm sure you've never been asked before. Oh, okay. How long have you been going? Oh, now that's. Do you know something? That's a very tricky question to answer. Why is that? Shall I tell you why? Um, do you mean as performer or as someone who's written comedy or. Anything. Anything at all. Um, and nothing about me is straightforward. Uh, that is my blessing and my curse. <laughs> I may be the comedian Gotham needs, but I'm not all at once. Um, in terms of performing, technically, uh, my first gig was on my 28th birthday, which yep. is about uh, getting on for 11 years ago now. And the reason I say technically is because um, from that point, I mean, I've, I've 10 years within that period, I've had years off here and there yeah, where I've not done it for a while. But the reason I sort of think of that is that I really only did one gig, one um, regular gig um, uh, for a particular open mic hate figure whom I won't name, but people... We can imagine, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know there's, there must be people listening to this going, there's, there's, uh, yeah, I think you're... <laughs> I'm miming. Um, it might not be, it certainly ends, a similar word ends anyway, enough yeah. of the guessing games. Um, but um, yeah, I did that and, and on and off uh, from 2003, 2004, I think, to um, about November 2010 was when finally we'd all had enough and we all moved on. And I started maybe doing a little bit more the, the comedy circuit in the proper sense, the accepted yeah. sense. So um, I think of that as a proper starting point. Although it feels like cheating because I had the benefit of all those gigs behind me before starting there. But I always think of that as the point at which sort of my path intersected properly with yeah. everyone else's. But uh, but in terms of I have 
written, I've been paid for writing comedy as well. Ah. So on and off, um, similar time period. And in fact, I only sort of got up, started doing stand-up because that was sort of starting to get somewhere. If, if you're counting the writing, that has that's much longer. That's yeah. since the late nineties. I've had that, and I don't want to. I don't want to uh, sound grand about that. That is by no means a regular thing. Yeah, James was saying the same thing last week. He was started writing sketches, and then he wanted the immediacy of um, being on stage and getting feedback straight away I, I think that's yeah no it was more with me I just felt it sh- at the time it was another outlet for, for years and years and yeah. years it wasn't much more than that that it was it went alongside something else that I wanted to do and, and yeah. writing was the thing that I sort of focused in on and I did have a sustained sort of period of success in the mid noughties um, you know making uh, being paid to, to do that for a bit but it's it's uh, I I'm going to phrase this without sounding like a bitter old man. It is that the nature <laughs> of the industry has changed in that, um, yeah, it is much stand-up, maybe doesn't pay very often, but in terms of you can have an idea and you could you could find out that night yeah. if it's going to be any good, whereas even radio sketch comedy now is quite, a, there's quite a series of hurdles you have to clear. How long does it take from script to recording for radio? Well, I mean, uh, my last anything that I got on radio was 2011. So uh, I can only speak, although I tell, maybe, uh, am I right, right? is that 2011? I do remember the last time I sort of um, had any sort of uh, movement on the sketch comedy front was, I do remember actually having to pitch the sketch idea mm. and, and sort of saying to them, are you sure? It will take me at least as long to pitch this as it would to write it. Why don't I just write it? And <laughs> but no, they're adamant and, they're, and then they really like the idea. But then, you know, when the actual sketch materialized, they sort of went cold on it. So yeah, that, yeah. again, it's not an easy question to answer. It used to be, um, they used to talk in terms of, of for, certainly for radio sketch comedy, clearing. There were three things you had to, uh, hurdles you had to clear. Yeah. If you can make the producer laugh, if you can make the cast laugh, and if you can make the, if there's a studio audience, the audience laugh, then there's a strong chance so it could be, I mean, it, it depends if you're talking about traditional co- topical comedy, then it would be a week. Within a week, oh, 10 days, right. you'd find out if you'd, you know, you'd earned a tenner or something for a, a quickie on the, on the news headlines, listener. <laughs> That's how ancient I am, that it you, was the news headlines. Are you doing anything for um, Newsjack? I have had stuff on Newsjack in yeah. the past, and I was sort of involved in a, by the way, uh, I should um, uh, clarify, um, uh, again, there's another tricky issue. If for anyone who's going to Google me to verify what I'm saying, um, the legions of people who, with, who inundate James of with with who inundate James with requests, my writing name is different to my performance ah. name, so you will not find Declan Kennedy. But um, you're going to Susan Kennedy. You will. <laughs> you will. Um, you will find. Uh, yeah. Obviously, my uh, my writing name is. Uh, Ernest Hemingway, um, keen contributor <laughs> to News Jack, as I'm sure. You know. No, he, um, yeah, but yeah, no, I, I, I sort of early on actually, I was quite sort of involved. Um, mm. Again, without giving too much away, slightly, slightly tricky work situation. I should clarify that right. I have to be careful <laughs> what I say and don't say at the minute, because um, they're listening. Well, you say that there is <laughs> there is a be. certain. I'm sure people can deduce the reasons why I have right. to be, uh, particularly the current climate. I have to be outside interest. I have to be careful. So, um, I'm really sorry. I can't give you chapter and verse because I know right. you're right. dying to know. All right, let's stick to open comedy then. Oh no, you can ask me about that. It's just I may not give full. You know, I have to be cagey. How I just ends. nod, just, <laughs> <laughs> or just, shake your head, just, <laughs> so the listener doesn't know. That's it, yeah. Just it'll be like sort of uh, a Richard Nixon. <laughs> oh, redacted, expired, deleted. So, how so, often are you gigging every week? Uh, at the minute, I'm gigging. I try and uh, get out four times a week. Because that's, that's a lot, isn't it? 
It seems a lot so. Mm. There's a sound of me taking another swig. This is going to sound. No, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a kind of red stripe. Because that dinner is affecting my mental health. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, so I'm just taking a swig of diet pop. Um, um, it, it seems a lot. I remember I sort of crept that up incrementally. I used to yeah. start off one or two times a week, but um, it is it isn't actually as impossible as you might think. That's not an admonishment of anyone because I remember what it's like. It does seem daunting, and it is. You do still. You know, it can still wear you out. But yep. I do remember... In fact, I remember the moment I sort of had a, 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 a sort of an epiphany about, well, maybe this is possible, was I, I'd accidentally booked myself in for five gigs in one week. I think you saying in a night. Oh, in a night, no. <laughs> no, no. No, I did have an Edinburgh day like that. Oh, where, yeah, I couldn't walk the next day. Um, but it was... Um, and I got to the end of it expecting to be really tired, but Friday night came around, I did the gig, and I kind of thought, actually, I feel pretty good. I feel quite energised. Mm. So it's not always the case. Sometimes you get to gig number three or four and you think, oh, yeah. I don't the most I've ever done is three, maybe four, but that's with doubling up on one of the nights. Yeah, that's the other thing I've sort of done is you know it is possible to squeeze in more than one gig in yeah. one night if the venues are sufficiently close to each other. So yes, you know, that's, I did. that's kind of fun actually to sort of do something and then the very first time I did it, it was amazing, and then I did it last week, and you saw it was a <laughs> didn't go that well for me last time. I don't know. I thought you did okay from what I saw no, last week no. at Justice. No, no? no. If I st- why why is well that? the guy heckling me saying yes, yeah, all right, go and get your notepad. We don't mind. Do you remember that? Um, <laughs> well, maybe remember. he meant well. Was he? He did. He, did, he didn't seem like a sort of a typical. No, no. It was. It was a very um, constructive and helpful heckle. But it just wasn't. Yeah, well. still a heckle though. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's the thing. That's, uh, yeah, for the for the listener, me and Declan both did the puppetry night at Jester Jester's last week. Indeed, which was um, it didn't quite go as well as I thought. <laughs> <laughs> no, I quite liked you, your little segment with the owl. Oh, that's... Yeah, well, the owl, the hawk thing, which I keep banging on about, which everyone keeps saying, stop talking about it. Um, but so I did it, but I had to. I changed the end, so it was, the owl was saying the lines, not me. And I'd rehearsed it in my brain, and it was amazing, and everyone laughed in my head. But when he came out, in, <laughs> I thought I should have actually said it out loud and did it properly. Well, I, do, I don't know what advice I can give you there. That um, if maybe in future reading stand up with an owl, yeah, it pays to practice re- with that owl. What am I saying? Here? Rehearse, <laughs> even if rehearse with an inanimate object. Yeah. Is that is that my advice? Really? Yeah. Um, just do it and, and you know let it wash over you. I think as that's as what as these that, nights are for. I think puppetry night anything. As long as you don't come off stage. If you do, if you don't like it when you come off stage, then you didn't go. But I had a good time. So well, that fun. is the thing. A piece of advice I was given, and it was given to me by a maniac, but it's one of the few <laughs> sensible things he said was, um, don't, you know, if you if you're not having a good time and it goes badly, that's natural. The time to give it up is when you're not having a good time when everyone else enjoyed it. That's when you know maybe it's not. Uh, that's good so advice. It is good advice, and like I say, it pains me to repeat it. Because it came from a complete <laughs> asshole, but but you know, nonetheless. You know, even even assholes, yep. even shallow waters can run deep. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> So one thing I like about uh, seeing you on stage is your confidence on the stage. How have you managed to get that? Because that's something I just don't have at the moment. Well, I don't know if I have it particularly. I think it's just, um, I think it's time, really. Yeah. It's it's just, I think that's the only factor, maybe, if there's any difference between you and I. It's, it's just that I've been doing it longer and you get used to. That's what I'm um, thinking. Must, yeah. Sorry, my stomach made a noise then. That's um, You get used to the notion that not everything you say is going to be greeted with. In fact, that Puppet Unite, I did, did get the stage where... Um, uh, God, this is going to sound weird if you didn't see the night where I was waving the pistol around, yes. threatening the audience, and it yeah. all went quiet. And it's one of those things. That, oh, they actually were quite scared now. Is this? <laughs> they, they do think they, are, they either they know this is you know not real, or they think I am actually having a breakdown. Yeah. And I think they've the been audience. quite generous with their laughing. 
Possibly. Because they knew it was all a bit mad anyway. Yeah. No, no, no. That's true. And um, yeah, that's sometimes that's, uh, well, that's very kind of you. Um, I hope um, I'm funny as well. Oh, yes. Um, Because it is a a terrible thing to sort of swan around on stage and then come off and realise. No, you, you don't do swanning around. No, <laughs> no, I don't do. I don't know what I do on stage. I've never recorded myself. Or I should I, do. I, yeah, I've, I've got a recording on a mini disc, ladies and gentlemen, nice. in two thousand and four, but I never quite got the the courage to play it back. Um, yeah, and I, I suspect uh, part of my motive being, I know it's a good piece of advice that people say you should study, but I, I just the other conflicts another bit of advice I got, which was the closer you are to the person that you are off stage, the funnier it will be. Which the grammar of it is yes. impenetrable. We have to think about that. There's sort of a Mr. Spock moment. Yeah. The need to the many, I mean, the need to the few. But it, it's um, it's a good excuse really because I just I've never I don't really I feel quite scared about the prospect of watching a recording or hearing a recording of myself. Um, but I always I see other people sometimes get really bent out of shape about mm. they they really pour over these things and I just think well no, maybe the best thing is to become as unselfconscious as possible, and that's not really a conscious process process in itself. Um, it was, it was just, I never sort of did that. So I don't know. I always work on the basis of, I'll just get up there and see what happens. Yeah. It's weird because you can't, it's not, it's not like learning the trombone where you go, I need to push this though in that in the right order. And then it comes out right. You can't, I don't know. You can't go on stage and think I'll do this this time and it will make me better. It's just, it's just being there. Yeah. It is just a process of, of, um, repetition and tenacity mm. which makes it sound very boring but it, it and it, it can be a bit of a slog at times but no it isn't it is generally each one uh, each uh, each performance change is a flower that buds a new one something I did do very early on I don't know if this will help anybody listening at all was I used to just take my glasses off because then I couldn't see anybody ah okay that, yeah that, that, <laughs> <laughs> that as Sean Locke has pointed out the world's a much fuzzier and softer place without your glasses so that's why you're taking your glasses off now you can't see me well, yeah, actually, it's become it's become a default response to any uncertain situation. I just take my glasses off, and then I. Or Declan's know, scared he's not wearing his glasses. That's it. Yeah, which, <laughs> just hide in uh, the corner. You can't see us. A bit like the um, wish I had a pair in Hitchhiker's Guide, the Jujanta. Mm. Peril chromatic was it the peril chromatic glasses that turn black at the first sign of danger, oh, thus yeah. preventing you from seeing anything that might alarm you. Yeah. So a pair of those. Apart from the big black screen right in front yeah, of your face. It, yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. Um, what's your favourite gig you're doing at the moment? Like venue wise, um, I, don't, I quite like most of them yeah. actually that I'm doing. That's the diplomatic answer. Um, <laughs> I'd say hard to say actually. I, I genuinely do enjoy most of the places that I'm at. Um, I've always had a soft spot for jesters and raconteurs, mm. just because I, I, I'm good friends with Jonathan Hearn and Christopher Timoney, yeah, and Chantal and and uh, Aideen and everybody else who sort of gigs there. I always feel that 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 sort of in as much as you can have a kind of home gig to go to. Yes. That's the one that I always feel most at home at. Yeah. So uh, I temper out the I am aware that um, you can get too comfortable with gigs. And that yeah. You can. Do you find yourself just doing the same ones? Yeah. Regularly? That's what I I'm d- finding at the yeah. moment. You sort of narrow it down to the ones you like, but then you kind yeah. of don't get any different reactions to stuff. Yes. And you are, you do then, although that can have the, the sort of the... Um, swings and roundabouts what you gain on that is maybe an, an eagerness to do more new stuff mm. I think all the, everyone here would have seen me do this last week it's time yeah. to that's exactly what I'm struggling with at the moment which is why I'm not doing well on stages I get up there and go ah oh, everyone's heard this exact same stuff before last week or the week before but then I think to myself well I enjoy what listening to other people's stuff over and over again yeah so why, why they might they might enjoy listening to my 
stuff over and over again. But that's it. I think most people on the upper mic circuit understand yes. how it is, that it is just the process of getting up and doing it again mm. and again. And sometimes that can me feel a bit like, why am I saying the same thing over and over again to a room full of people who've seen me do it before? Yeah. But the fact is, it's a bit like, um, that is the state of the upper mic scene at the minute. There's very much, there's so many of us. Yeah. Uh, you know, not necessarily enough audience to go around. I don't know how that will be remedied in future, but I do um, think of that, the thing that Andy Kaufman said about... Um, he came with this. It was not a very good metaphor, but it sort of it does the job. Um, the, uh, it's like a sort of train going through a tunnel. Each time you get up and do it, the train moves an inch and inch and inch until you get into the light. Ah. But it won't do that until you sort of, you know, get up and do it. Yeah, that's how to inch the train forward. You never know who you're going to run into at a gig as well. That's the yes. flip side of, of things is that and turning it sometimes it's like the um, again to allude to another a '60s American comedian, uh, Woody Allen said, you know, ninety percent of Success is just turning up. It's just being there because yeah, you can never predict what will happen at a gig or how it's going to go. So, what's been your most memorable thing on stage so far? Oh no, no <laughs> most memorable. You don't necessarily mean the best. Because <laughs> uh, the most memorable thing that leaps to mind is the time I almost started a fist fight with the audience. Right, okay, this is going back some. This is going back into the pre twenty ten period. It's not there anymore. It's a pub called the Bell and Compass. Um, oh God, reliving it now. <laughs> but I used to, it's a while since actually since I've done a Saturday gig. It's only recently, only this year, I've sort of done a Saturday gig again. Um, but I used to do them all the time at the Bell and Compass. And um, the, the so you sometimes get on stage, you know, at, at getting on for midnight. But I've to, never done one that late. No, it's sometimes it could be all right. Sometimes the audience were particularly, you know, they were giddy with whatever proper audience. Proper audience, yeah. Yep. But sometimes they, you know, get the occasional Larry one with it being Saturday night. And I just remember um, <clears throat> it didn't go particularly well. And eventually, I think there's a f- one and only time I've really got booed off. I think because I opened a one gag with I don't drink. And this guy kept saying, well, have a drink then. And he couldn't. He was one of those where he just presumably would not let you get to. And yeah. he couldn't, in the end, you couldn't get a sentence out and people started booing. And, and the trouble was I had to clamber over the audience to get off. Because <laughs> he filled the room. A heedless right. of fire like, completely filled the room. Um, and as I was getting off, somebody went, oh, that, that was as funny as AIDS. <laughs> and I turned around and uh, in my mind, it was meant to come out as, uh, well, you know, mate, uh, I've only been a twat for eight minutes. You'll be a twat forever. <laughs> in my mind, it was sort of Roger Moore style. Yeah. But in reality, it came out like Niles Crane. And, str- <laughs> and then I sort of had to climb over the audience, went through the wrong door. I had to climb over them again to get out. And as I was going out, uh, somebody, somebody in the audience went, oh, get over it. And I thought, yeah, that's probably good advice. But then it didn't end there. So if I came off and, and the compare um, sort of said, um, I think you'd better stand outside with the, the barrels. I said, well, why? He said, because I don't think you're going to walk out of here. You'd better persuade you till the audience have gone. Coded to that is I came out when everybody had gone and he was putting the chairs away. Yeah. And two people came back and knocked on the door. And I said, yes, sir, we were in the audience. And I thought they were going to say, we thought you were really good. <laughs> but they actually said, what they actually said was we want our money back. <laughs> and I said, oh, that bad? He went, uh, well, it wasn't necessarily you. We felt, you know, the whole yeah. evening had maybe been... But, uh, Misrepresented. Yes. That was the, whole, the whole evening had uh, been a bit of a baiting exercise. Yeah. In terms of memorable, there was, uh, on a more positive side, a chap called Dan Watson um, ran a gig in Camden. Um, and, you know, I can't remember the name of the pub, but what I do remember is that... Um, there was one night he booked, and several things happened that night. It was across the road from the Roundhouse, right, um, in Camden music yeah. venue. Um, first of all, a load of very um, disgruntled Flaming Lips fans were there okay. because their gig had been cancelled. 
Um, and then perfect turned, crowd for comedy. Per, absolutely, more than it actually turned out to be really good because they, they sort of um, they turned up and Dan said, oh, "There's only three of you turning. You have to do twenty minutes each." And at that point, <laughs> I never done, never consciously done a twenty minutes, so I just had to break out everything I'd ever written. Yeah, and um, and it turned out to actually be kind of a fun night. I quite enjoyed it, nice. and a lot of it was was sort of back and forth between me and them, and they turned mm. out to be. A really, you know, turn out to be my home crowd. Nice. And from that point on, I followed the flaming lips around <laughs> and infected them with illness just so I could steal their audience. <laughs> nice. Do you do so, much audience interaction? Uh, do you know? I, I don't know. People sort of... I've d- done a few comparing things recently. People mm. said, oh, we wanted to get you in. We quite like what you do with the audience. So I'm, I'm sort of... Uh, yeah, sometimes I do, you know... I can't remember any specifics. So you um, do it. I, do, I know I do a bit of call and response. I see you do stuff at the start of a gig where yeah. you talk about the room. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, I have a little ongoing thing with Andy Colstrom about room. He calls me the Archduke of room describing. Right. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I don't know how that got started, really. Just, uh, I, just I just, I don't know. It's fun like to that. do if you can do it. It's a skill to learn as well. I see. It's, I just. Yeah. I, I. I. I don't know. I just. That's how things look to me. Because I, I did so. one and it went really well, and I thought I'll do it again, and uh, it tanked. Yeah. No. It, it can. Uh, and it is. I've sort of. You know, people have seen me at Rack on Tours more than a few times. Will think, oh, kid, he's got you know little repertoire of lines that he reaches for about yep. you know <laughs> the wall or whatever. Um. But um. But yeah. No. I. I, I don't know if that's a. a that, like I say, that's just how things strike me. So. Um. It's a little insight into how I see the world, <laughs> listener. That you walk into a room, I walk into some sort of cubist nightmare. <laughs> where nothing is what yeah. it seems. So, but I, 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 I actually, I don't know how many other people do that. But that's it's uh, something I've tried. And if you've got something like I had something, have you done um, GMB comedy in Camden? Uh, I did their old venue. I've not done yeah. the new one. They've got a very specific black backdrop with those clown things on it oh right yes i might i think i might have been one occasion where it didn't quite work as oh, i, I well. went up there and said oh, i'd love to be here in front of the world's most scariest kids wallpaper <laughs> and it worked and the gig went really well after that <laughs> but then you can't do that at another venue because i haven't got that wallpaper no you have to bring the wallpaper yeah. with you like, why, why are you putting this wallpaper up it's, my comedy doesn't work without you don't you understand yeah do you ever wear a costume do you ever wear a costume? No, people... Oh, just like different clothes, or, you know, just like a different T-shirt or uh, something. Is this your tactful way of t- telling me I... <laughs> no, because no, I was no, saying it... on um, Shake Shaft's episode that about... I had a joke about being not quite smart enough for Pizza Express, but I have to look scruffy for it to work. Oh, that's a good question. I used to keep my coat on all the time. That's right. something I've few uh, in the last year I've sort of... You know, anything like that, maybe you should let go of. Yeah. Um, anything that requires sort of props. Okay. I know that's completely dissing anyone who uses props and cotton yeah. and sort of costumes, but <laughs> I don't. And again, that's something I wasn't really a conscious thing. It was just after a while, I just left my coat on in it. I don't know if it enhanced. I don't know what sort of image I have. Yeah. In my mind, maybe it's Old Testament prophet <laughs> ranting at the audience. But um, but no, I used to I used to leave my coat, on, but then you know Edinburgh destroyed my previous coat. Yes. Um, How was uh, your Edinburgh? Is it still too late to be asking about Edinburgh? No, I don't think so. I think Edinburgh is sort of... Um, if I say it's like a Vietnam, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> it's like the good Vietnam. We all remember, <laughs> right, guys? Um, no, but it is. It's a very intense experience. It's everything that normally happens to you in a week compressed into it. I saw one picture day. of you on Facebook in a massive auditorium. What was that? That wasn't Edinburgh. Are you thinking of the Wiki, Wiki Geeks? 
I don't know, it was, it was at the time of Edinburgh, there's just you on a stage in a big auditorium and not a lot of people in it. I wonder what that was all about. <laughs> the way you put it to me like a police is it, well, what, explain this, Mr. Kennedy. It's just, it was a picture from the side and just you on stage yes. in a really big, what was that? That was that was a week, that was something I did literally the night before I headed off to Edinburgh and I did it with ah. Richard Wright, Aideen McQueen, Luke Gretton. Ian Lane and a couple of other people whose names escape me. Right. And that was um, poor Aideen. That was um, a, a gig that, um, it was a very complicated chain of cause and effect. Uh, Ellen Murray sort of put out this call for nerdy comics. And she yep. copied me and I, I said, well, I, you know, bring, bring my, uh, bring a, get my nerd on. Yeah. Um, but then she sort of said it's his corporate gig um, for staff. I think it was staff at Wikipedia who are having their own sort of fest, internal festival at the Barbican Centre. Yeah. And I just remember the back and forth that Aideen kept saying to the venue manager, look, there's, there's, we're not going to fill, a, you know, a thousand-seater yeah. auditorium. <laughs> the 500-seater conference room we've got will be much, much better. Yeah. Um, but no, they, they insisted on putting it on just before the film. I actually arrived there slightly late. I sort right. of missed Aideen's opening. But she did a really good job. Of you know keeping the audience, everybody did a really good job that night. And yeah. It was, but it was a difficult thing. You saw from the picture, which is still on my Facebook page, folks. Of, uh, <laughs> it does look like, uh, as I remarked, I said it does look like I've seen a disaster film where the survivors recoup <laughs> in the nearest available shelter. <laughs> And I'm I'm explaining when the meteorite will hit yeah. or something. It's yeah. that sort of. I but I love it for that reason that it's just <laughs> it looks like I'm just a huge egomaniac who's hired a thousand seater. Yeah. Because that's what I th- before I went to Edinburgh. That's how I imagined all of Edinburgh, look, all the theatres look like. Because really, what you see on telly is these big theatres, and then you yeah. actually go to Edinburgh, and it's like no, oh, they're this size. They only look big on telly. <clears throat> that's the thing. If you've ever been to any telly recording, you'd be astonished at how small. Yeah, I went to the Apollo, not for Live at the Apollo, but for another show. And it was thinner than I thought, and grey, not orange. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's the television. So I've never seen you do the same thing twice, I don't think. In life or in in (laughs) In comedy? At gigs. Like like some sort of man of mystery in in real life. He he works a different job every day. It is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, that's very kind of me. I'm sure I have done. I'm sure you probably have. Somebody else said that to me. I'm sure. I'm sure they've been in the audience where I've done. I think mentioned being a ginger once or twice before. Yes, no, stuff. that used to be my sort of, still is sometimes my go-to. Yeah. But recent events have made that a hell of a lot more sensitive <laughs> than it needs to be. <laughs> so yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, well, that's, I, I'm hoping that's a good thing that I, you know, that I change it up often enough, keep people interested. Yeah. How do you um, keep up the quality? I suppose. Well, I do. I keep up the quality. This is the thing. It's it's um, you know, uh, churning the the sort of new stuff, churning out versus you know you have to strike a balance between mm. keeping people laughing and keeping keeping it fresh. Yeah. So who's to say whether I'm getting that balance right? I do my one does one's best, James. <laughs> um, but I hope people have been suitably entertained, and I hope mm. if they have heard me do the same thing twice, they aren't you know too put out. I hope they appreciate that you know. I don't think I've ever seen you muck out a gig or anything. Well, uh, I'm sure. Maybe I haven't seen you enough. <laughs> Maybe you haven't. Maybe I'm sure there have been uh, sort of uh, had a fairly close one last Thursday. Yeah, what was that? But I think that that was um, God. Where was that? That was our purple turkey. I think it was the first purple one. Purple turkey. Yeah, the one um, in southeast London. I heard of that one. That was yeah, R and AJ's gig. I think. Uh, oh, that's yeah. a fairly new one, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah. but then. Um, so I don't know. I think I, the most I was hoping for was a score draw. That night. 
<laughs> but you know, it, it turned out to be quite a sort of fun evening in its own way. Ended with a dog peeing on the stage. Really? And that was uh, how did that come about? I, well, it's, it's a pub. It's one of those gigs where the the, 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 the the sort of the actual comedy isn't distinct from the rest of the pub. So oh, yeah. right. So yeah. It's, it's more like we're sort of we've hijacked the pub and are flying it somewhere than it was. But that's not to do it down at all. That was it was in the end. It turned out to be nice. Yeah. The nearest I got to that was um, I was doing a gig in Hartford and. Simon Kane was on and he was talking about something and a woman came on stage and demonstrated the correct way to have a poo <laughs> by squatting down. <laughs> did she actually kill one off? <laughs> she, did, she did all the actions apart from that. It's very weird. Very weird. And there's video footage of it as well. I need to upload. <laughs> that said, I was at the I was at the Big Red a few weeks ago and Nathan Cassidy did... Um, well, I don't know if I should even sort of describe. I think you really need to see it. I think right. you know, that would be my hot tip for Edinburgh 2015. Yeah. Is is uh, Nathan Cassidy doing uh, doing what he did that night? That was <laughs> intriguing. It was, it was. I love things like that though. That um, years and years ago, before I was actually doing comedy, I went to a performance um, at the Albany when it was still sort of a regular comedy venue, and these yes. people trying stuff out. And it was Paul Putner doing an act called Poodle Man. Poodle Man. And there the explanation ends, because I cannot, in words, summarise what Poodle Man was or what he did. Right, I just okay. know it was the funniest thing <laughs> I've ever seen. Um, and if you can find... They, they played a song called Poodle Man by, I think, a band called Ocarina. Right. So if you can find the song, the, the, the performance was at least as disturbing right. and as hilarious as the song in equal measure. So, Google that now, folks. Yes, indeed. And let us know. Other search engines are available. <laughs> Um, so what was it you were asking me? Sorry, I, uh, t- t- what was I asking? asking? We were talking about Edinburgh. Yes. Yes, he didn't do a show or anything. Oh, you did? No, you did the thing with um, uh, Chantel and John. Jonathan. Yeah. yeah. I was also part of Austerity Pleasures. What's that one? Um, the uh, Ben Morgan's sort of political comedy show that this year he was doing with Robin. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I remember her asking about... Um, Political comedians, of course, I have no political yeah. comedy whatsoever, so I couldn't help. <laughs> How did that go? Uh, I, th- I I enjoyed it quite a lot. Yeah. I think it was from the point of view of reviews. I don't think we were noticed very much, right. but um, but yeah, no, no, no. It was it was good fun to do. It's the first year I've been. I mean, this is only my third Fringes performer. Mm. It did feel, I suppose, hopefully, it'll be. It's an upward trajectory that each year on year you feel sort of more confident. But I felt yeah. um, pretty good. I felt um, what's the word? Like you've just eaten a hearty meal at the end of it. I was very sad to leave Edinburgh. Satisfied. Satisfied. Mm. Yeah, fulfilled. Did you go out for the full run? or? Just... No, I just went out for a couple of weeks. Yep. And uh, yes, was doing that. And then just doing various spots um, around sort of Jester's and the, the top of the bus with Sam Goland. Yeah, top of the bus is nice. The top of the bus was pretty good. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it was that. And then the, the sketch on the second week. And I feel like she should address something because I heard, um, I listened to Chantal's yep. podcast before coming out and she had a massive guilt trip about <laughs> about not firing and how it was yeah. all, all her fault that nobody turned up. And the truth of the matter, it wasn't at all her fault. She actually did really well. Ah. And she worked really hard to get an audience in. Um, and actually, of the three, I realised listening to it, of the three of us, I was the one who probably had the most time and did the least with it. So, <laughs> if anyone's to blame, it's me, I'm afraid. So, um, I'll edit that bit out so she'll never know. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. You stoke up this row between me and Chantal. Um, sorry, I can't really think of what else to say about it. Anyway. You know, that was, that was more of a learning curve, I think, the sketch show, because that is a very mm. different beast. Yeah. Um, and we did, uh, we had some very good previews, actually. We did uh, Winchester in the build-up to that, sort of back over the summer, and that was... There's a fast show reference in there again. Oh, is that? Oh, hi, I'm at hi. Winchester. Yeah. Yes, oh, I forgot. That's what we were talking about, that, that what was it, um, laughing, laughing minute a couple of weeks ago. I said, who's who's the president? 
Oh, and God, went, yeah. Oh, there's a far show reference. Who's yeah. the president? Yeah. <laughs> not really, there's not many far show references banded no, about. That's very late period far show, isn't it? That's yep. sort of the last series or so. Yeah. Uh, I didn't yeah. rewatch them all. This is going off topic slightly, but I didn't rewatch no, them all recently. Sure. I think it's within our remit to talk about things we find funny, isn't it? Yes, so. it is. And it was very good. I very much enjoyed it. But right, you. So you were saying you write sketches as well? I have written, I have been paid yeah. for writing sketches, and I do. I do um, we're sort no one's going to pay me for writing the sketches I'm writing. Well, never say never. <laughs> Again, it's, it's one of those things where it's persistence. And, um, yeah. It, it is, um, like I say, I'm quite, I don't know if you could call <laughs> what I have a track record, but um, but I have got somewhere with it. I have yeah. received the, and uh, like a lot of people on the open mic circuit or trying their hand at something, it isn't really, you probably feel as I do, it's not necessary to become rich and famous. No. Just to get the occasional paycheck is validation enough. And I just want to have fun with this. Well, that's it. Yeah, the mm. ideal, it's a whole, the classic Venn diagram, isn't it? Of, yeah. Of, um, you know, you've got on the one hand, you've got what it means to be a pro, in inverted commas, yeah. and what you like doing and the Venn, where they intersect, that sort mm. of little Venn diagram is is hopefully what we will do it for it's yeah. the part where it has the most integrity and the most enjoyment and hopefully you get a bit of money too how many sort of pro gigs have you done well not that many i don't think um if you class pro is just just being paid mm. um i've never been sort of been contracted to do anything on yeah. that score i'm more arguably more of a professional writer than an actual comedian but ah. so i've had the i've had the remittance notes from you know the companies here and there yeah that um that let you know what you do is legit um, which is sorry, that sounds like I'm insulting anyone who's ever paid me. <laughs> so that's good work, definitely. Um, but but um, yeah, I get the odd one or two here and there, yeah. and it's you know it's it's enough. You've done the Gong Show? No, no, God, no. I've never, I never even watched the Gong Show. Have you never watched? I was great to watch. Is it good to watch? Yeah, it's great it just fun. sounds more like a rites of passage, <clears throat> yeah, than um than an actual gig. Uh, for for a, for a long time, I thought if I do it, I want to get gonged off before I've said anything. But apparently, I've been beaten to it. Somebody has actually had that. Yeah, happen, zero seconds. So my ambition now is to be gonged uh, without even being there. But it'd, it'd be really <laughs> if they just mention my name and just get gonged off. Or if they just come, they come, they bring the whole audience to my house and then yeah. gong me off out of my own house. That would be great. If you, you must have done a gig with Prince Abdi. Oh, if I have, I don't remember it. No? Is, is, he, is he a real prince? No. No? What's his name? Well, he's he's the latest know. guest on um, Comedians Comedian podcast. Oh, And right. he was saying that he got gonged off after 11 seconds. Wow, so, and he's really good. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. It's it's sort of debatable how 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 um, much they want an actual comedy mm. performance out of you. How much? I don't know. It might be tremendous fun. To, you know, yeah, give it a try. <laughs> <laughs> if you got a free Monday night, just go uh, sit down. Maybe, yeah, I'll do it. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I've been sort of turning some of my stand up into sketches mm. and vice versa, and see what works. Yeah, no, it is. It is worth. Um, <clears throat> Because again, it's it's I've uh, uh, you know I've had fairly erratic progress as you probably gather by now into comedy. Yeah, it's all been you know, pinballed my way in here really. So my background is probably not the the traditional. If there is such a thing as a traditional stand-up, I think background. there is. No, there isn't. But it doesn't feel like you know um, I'm your average open micer. Um, that sounds like a boast. It's not. It's purely, purely an observation. But I'm not. You know. Yeah, not young. Twenty-one. Well, that's the first thing is I'm, I'm thirty-eight, <laughs> and, you know, um, which is three it, years behind you. Well, I don't know. This is um, you've got all this to come. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, but that is the interesting thing. At some level, that's quite liberating. You think, well, people have already written me off, so there's, it doesn't mm. really matter what happens. Now, you know, it's, it's fine. Um, but I'd, I've given up worrying about my age and what have you. Yeah. Um, and where was I headed with this point? <laughs> um, yeah, but I think it's coming, you know, a different sort of discipline, a different approach to comedy does actually remind, it does actually teach you sort of um, actually 
there's room for more experimentation, particularly in stand-up. It's weird that the point at which I sort of got into comedy in my teens was the mid-90s, which seems at this distance to be a much more... What's the word? Experimental? Maybe not. But it seems like there's much more surrealness mm. and purely based on the comedians who may don't really see a lot of live comedy. Um, Harry Hill was sort of my first... Yep. You know, around about the late 90s, that was my first sort of thing. And um, I used to watch a lot of Harry Hill, Far yeah. Show, Ben Elton. Yeah. Um, but it felt like, you know, you had the Harry Hill and Father Ted and, and yeah. sort of, um, there was a, a series of stand-ups. And there was, there was one on the BBC just called The Stand-Up Show. And they're like rival shows. Yeah. So the, you, they had a lot of acts coming through on there. And there's a young sort of Jason Byrne and yeah. Lee Mack, I think, hosted Gas. But I, the one I remember is um, a guy who, who did a character act. Um, and he did lots of. They were, it was just very, very odd and surreal. And he did he'd do. Uh, I just remember his closing remark was, "Well, that's all from me. Good night and get off me," which I always thought was a wonderful sort of yeah. thing. And, and he did this whole thing about uh, someone doing origami with their bum. And he said, <laughs> "You did manipulate the paper with his buttocks, and he yeah. made a little swan, and you'd pull on it, and it would stink." And so it was. I don't remember that. No, it's <laughs> really early Simon Pegg as well. If you've, if you've sort of heard it, Simon I Pegg's. I have seen his. It was really good. He was. He might still be really yeah. good at stand up. But he, a lot of his stuff seems really mm. um, odd and strange in a yeah. good way. And it feels like the more we sort of step outside into other into sketch writing disciplines, the more you actually think, well, hang on a minute, I can actually do this in stand up. Yeah. I think that's one thing when I was. My first gigs, in as much as I have any wisdom to offer, was that. Um, I, I, after a while you did think oh I'm I'm. it's very easy to be, be safe because you're doing it in front of an audience you go where you know or you yeah. suspect the laugh will be whereas in actual fact it's worth sometimes just throwing that out and just sort of going well I'm going to write something I find funny that is yeah. odd we're talking about Jester's themes night theme nights um, the last plagiarism night that we did um, I think this time last year I say we like I run the game <laughs> um, the last uh, plagiarism night that Jonathan and Chris did um, th- one guy who's a, a, I think a, a primary school teacher by day said what I've done is I've got the kids to write the jokes and I'm gonna, just going to plagiarise their jokes right. and it was for me anyway not that anyone else wasn't funny everybody was funny that night whatever they chose to do but that just had me in tears because <laughs> suddenly you didn't know where the comedy was coming from yeah it was a sample joke was something like um, knock knock who's there a naughty poo <laughs> and there's no there's no logic to that because it's written by kids and I just remember yeah. after three or four of these I was just on the floor just gasping yeah. I thought this is this is utterly brilliant and why don't we do this more often why don't we just write jokes that are like that my niece wrote a joke when she was about six she's 16 now and she said uh, why did the chicken cross the road because it wanted to die <laughs> oh like, <"Whoa>, okay <laughs> what's going on there <laughs> <laughs> but then <clears throat> in, a, in the course of my day job about which I'm very secretive but I did what I, did, I had reason to interview Andy Hamilton whom some people oh, yes. know is writer yep. of Drop the Donkey in Old Harry's Game and, and lots of outnumbered all of those sitcoms uh, yes he was on Have I Got News for You last yes, week yep. he, yes he's um, also the uh, voice of uh, the dentist in Peppa Pig well a bit of trivia there for you there you go, yeah. there you go. I guess who I guess who has kids yeah you James um, <laughs> they're the, in my basement they were easy <laughs> oh dear it's all gone a bit uh, Frankie Boyle um, but yeah he said good comedy is an ambush and uh, that's mm. you know something that you know I guess the whole scene struggles with is how much you ambush people how much you give them something they want but but no, it, 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 just that joke you just told put me in mind of a friend of mine, Craig Pilling, who was uh, a one time a breakfast uh, radio host right. on uh, a Welsh radio station. 
um, <clears throat> he shared with me a joke. He said, this is either genius or moronic. Yeah. He'd invited people to send in their jokes. And the joke that somebody sent him was this. What do you call a dog in a policeman's helmet? PC dog hat. <laughs> now that's either genius or someone who just has no grasp. But either way, it just... It makes you laugh. So. Yeah, well, that's it. Who cares? You know, it makes you laugh. And, and that's, that's all you want it in a joke, really, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, there was one that Harry Hill used to do. I don't know if you ever used to listen to his radio program, um, no. which was chock full of the stuff he does. But he just used to break off halfway through and go, um, of course, my sister was bitten on the stomach by a donkey. It's very sad. No, no payoff at all. And it became sort of funny because you didn't know what yeah. what it was about. So, yeah. yeah. Something that comedy has in common with horror films? I don't know. Yes. Japanese horror films. Japanese horror films. Yeah. Do, you ever talk, do you ever ask people about the influences? No, I should do, really. I, suppose, I, suppose I did so. ask... What, what, yeah. Who influences you? No one influences me. That's why I probably don't ask anyone. Oh, okay. Because I don't have anyone. Everyone, people have said to me, what, right, who do you forward. like? I'm like, I don't really... I just I just like all comedy, really, as long as it's funny. I don't have one particular person. No, I mean, like. I'm appreciative of most funny things, but it's something yeah. that's been in my mind a lot recently is I really ought to nail down if mm. I'm going to sort of refine anything that I'm doing into the pure grain hit of Declan comedy <laughs> you all know and love. Then I'm... I, have to, I sort of think I should give some thought to what actually it's interesting to actually dwell on yeah where, where do I you know I guess mine just comes from my, most of my stuff is funny stories with a punchline yeah so it's stuff that happens to me like the whole camp coffee shop thing yeah that's that's all real apart from the calling the barista a slag obviously yeah um, but it's, it's just all real stuff they just make funnier because yeah. I just wonder tempting. sometimes who shares because it's always a shock sometimes um, uh, on the comedy scene when you discover actually someone else likes something you think oh I didn't know that that person I you're the only person that's ever got a past show reference Do you know, it's funny isn't it when you toss a reference out there and you think who if I say to you if I say now on this podcast uh, uh, Francine I'll take my sandwich in the study I wonder how many people <laughs> will actually pick up on that I've heard the line Yes. I don't know where it's from. Uh, that's a uh, mystery to be unraveled in the next podcast. By Google in about I two did, seconds. <laughs> I did actually post um, on Facebook once, Share and Enjoy. And Sophie Johnson came back to me and, and did the whole Share and Enjoy song from Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah. Uh, so it is It is nice to sort of know. Because those are the big three, I think, would be um, Douglas Adams, Viv Stanshaw, and Chris Morris. Oh. None of whom do stand up. <laughs> there are others as well, you know what I mean? But it's, it's uh, when we're talking about sort of doing other stuff doing sketch comedy yeah I always think it's, it's, it's I've come to it through a circuitous route and actually my influences probably aren't stand-up driven although I do like Steve Martin I always think is a good I think if people um, mm. are always wondering who's a good stand-up to sort of look at I keep meaning to read his book oh Born Star. I know it's a cliche on the open mic circuit to say but it is if you can get the talkie book version as well that he reads oh he reads it he's, he's a good listen as well he's a good ah. reader but there's there's loads of that is so reassuring such a reassuring thing mm. where they start the book by saying you know, I was a stand-up for 18 years. For 10 years of that, I didn't know what I was doing. For four years, I you know, was refining. The final four years was, was it. Mm. I mean, that does mean if I'm going to get anywhere with it, I'll be, <laughs> you know, almost 60 <laughs> if I make it to that age. But um, at the same time, you think, well, there's no rush then. I don't have to get too hung up about my age. Or well, how long Mickey Flanagan was 40 when he started. It was, Rod Gilbert apparently was my age when he started. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. so that if there's anything you take away, if you take heart, folks, it's not an instantaneous thing and you take as long as you like. So, where do you see yourself next year? Uh, I do, oh, you got a plan or are you just happy to carry on? Well, you catch me at quite a transitional phase ah, because I've actually just taken. How's the gender reassignment going? <laughs> 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 oh, it's going great, going the gems. <laughs> um, 
I am actually um, moving on from my work at the minute. Ah. My job at the minute, taking voluntary redundancy. Ah. So the most I've planned is I want to be in Edinburgh next year. I yep. want to be, you know. Um, but that's about the extent of my planning. So it's quite a scary time. Are you can do your own show. Uh, or double header, something like that. I don't know. Something maybe a little more official. Because again, mm. thanks to the vagaries of the work I do, it's been a little difficult to kind of blow my own trumpet. Right. That's always been a risk. <clears throat> so freed from the, the shackles of that. Yes. That, um, excuse me, that, uh, you know, that might be my moment to shine, James. Spread nice. my wings and fly. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but no, I, I, I whatever happens, I'll, I'll want to get, I'll have hopefully enough funds to sort of do another mm. Edinburgh and get through it this time yeah. next year. You know, I don't know. I, he could have worked or I could be stacking shelves in Sainsbury's and this. But still doing comedy. Ooh, yeah, to, to people in... <laughs> To just want to do their shopping, <laughs> just pin them down. I, I performed in Edinburgh. I, I used to be someone. If you do, if you're good at doing stuff about uh, what the room looks like, it changes every time when you do the skills. <laughs> so you have new material every day. That would be, that'd be all my material. Just explain to people, you know, <laughs> cakes are now in aisle five or something. And I, was, I used to work in a co-op, and um, I'd been in the job for about a week, so I was 16, and I was stacking the vegetable suet on top of the shelf. It was on the top shelf. This old guy came up to me. He said, "Oh, you got any suet?" I said, have you just got the vegetable suet? And he went, that's for gays. What's <laughs> off? I was like, where did that come from? Very bizarre. People are weird. A friend yeah. of mine, a good friend of mine called Richard Ward, who um, is also a writer, actually. He used to write for Dead Ringers. He ah, was, uh, Dead yeah. Ringers. Dead Ringers. <laughs> yes. Um, but he um, he used to supplement his writing. He used to work in the BBC shop. that used to be in Margaret Street. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, a guy apparently once came in and said, have you got the drama about the Cecil Rhodes? <laughs> Went, no, no, we don't stack them. No, of course, because you gave it back to the blacks, didn't you? <laughs> it's like, oh, what? God. <laughs> right. So, yeah, no, people are... Um, people yeah, are strange. Pe- people are, any job which involves direct contact with the, the general public, <laughs> I think, is always going to have that yeah. miasma of... But it's fear. good for material, though. It is. I've got a backlog of jobs that I've done. Yeah. That, um, so I like how I manoeuvred you into asking me about that. <laughs> um, that I'd, uh, I do. I used to be a lollipop man many moons ago. <laughs> okay. And, I don't um, think I've ever met a lollipop man before. Well, now you have. Oh, have. Uh, let me tell you, folks. Well, <laughs> let me get this off my chest. Anytime you see, anytime you see an actor doing lollipop man, yep. they always get it wrong. Oh, because you're supposed to stand. They always stand with their arms down. So no, you're supposed to stand with your right. arms out. Right. Yes. So you're supposed to make yourself as big a target as possible. So you get hit first. That is the thing. They did say this to me, and I said, "Well, hang on. Um, you know, I weigh quite a lot, and I'm wear. I've got a big psychedelic lollipop, and I wear. I'm wearing a fluorescent jacket. So yeah." Really, you want me to make myself a bigger target? Okay, fine. <laughs> but no, people used to. I remember the first. I was quite clean shaven in those days and quite baby faced. And um, I just remember the, the first day on the the crossing, a woman came up to me and said, "Oh, were you the new lollipop person?" I said, "Yes." That's very politically correct of it. Well, the, here's why. She said to me, "I can't tell if you're a man or a woman." <laughs> I'm a man. I did used to have long hair, and I only got mistaken for a girl once while I was working at checkouts, (laughs) just because I had my back to them. Uh, It's good to know the Lancashire County Council, you know, Mm. uh, to to have a hermaphroditic employment (laughs) policy. So back to that gender reassignment again. There there you go. uh, I am gendered. It is actually weird you mentioned that. I do joke about this on stage that I have become sort of gender neutral. (laughs) A lot of people. It is a weird thing. You know, this debate raging about uh, your women funny. Yeah. yeah, Is Declan funny? Is the 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 debate that everybody's you know chiming in on? Yeah. Um, 
but uh, and, and did nobody ever ask if men are funny? Are they just as no. a they notice, uh, No, like, actually, all my friends ask me, "Are you funny yet?" <laughs> <laughs> How's somebody going? Are you funny yet? But it's taken for granted, isn't it? Men are funny and women aren't, and that's that's a, that's a given in anybody. You think, well, shouldn't we be interrogating this? More men do it, but then, yeah. you know, more men do any jobs. There's no guarantee that they're good at it. So anyway, oh. but um, but yeah, now I've had I've been at several gigs where people have actually forgotten I'm a man. <laughs> Where okay. been, there's been one of the man on the bill, and yeah. the host has said, "Well, it's virtually all female. I've got one man. I've got, I'm literally right here." <laughs> Hello. There's uh, not a man anymore. So, but again, you know, maybe that's a liberating thing. Who knows? So, it frees you. Free indeed. It does. It's uh, an uninhibited flow of comedy from my non-gender specific soul. So, so, what sort of things are you working on at the moment? Because I, my thing is, I'm trying to. Because all I. I did a gig down in Bristol and um, I was chatting to the guy on the way back on the, in the car. It's Finn Taylor who was on a couple of episodes ago. And I was going, yeah, it's all right, but it's just bits at the moment. Mm. It's just bits. And he went, yeah. So he agreed with what, that it's just bits. So I'm trying to do stuff that's around, uh, not a subject because that's, I could just slot stuff into subjects, but like a concept, funny concept. What's how do you sort of work out your? You've got five minutes. Do you say I'm just going to do this joke, this joke, this joke, or I'm going to talk about stacking shells for five minutes? Um, I don't know. Do you know it's not too conscious a process. Like I say, I never try to be too self conscious. But generally, if I'm preparing a set, as I will be in a moment, yep. Um, I'm particularly tonight. I'll be thinking, well, what have I already got that I've not done a million times? Then there'll yep. be one or two jokes that I home in on, or out of desperation, I might think oh, I'm just going to have to do that opening again. And then I'll be thinking, well, what is in my mind at the minute? What? And I actually still do. I mean, I'm out of the habit of sort of submitting stuff to News Jack or any other topical. But one thing that has stayed with me for a long, long time um, is looking at the papers. And it's never, yes. I know a lot of people uh, who are hearing this will be, th- it is such a small percentage of anybody who wants to do comedy who finds the prospect of topical comedy appealing or doable. There's because no it is- topical comedy in open mic, I've found. No, there is political comedy, but whether that counts as, as topical, no. I don't know. It, it's and part part of the the thing about any sort of topic, and I know this from colleagues who've produced you know radio comedy shows, is that actually the same things come around again and again and again, and it's more a question of how does what's happening in the news relate to something that you care about anyway, right. that you are likely to talk about and want to make jokes about, and that's accepting topical comedy more than any other form. Is you use such a small percentage of anything you write because so much of it is just difficult to make jokes about, mm. and it feels like the news is pre-satirized anyway. Yeah, there's a, on the way here. I sort of read the whole thing about Katie Melua pictures of a spider that's living living in her ear for a year. Yeah, think, well, yeah. That, even in my wildest flight of fancy, I never would have arrived at that. Harry Hill Miles. So Harry Hill, yeah. No, funny you should mention that. Just a bit of trivia for you. Young Harry Hill, when he was still Matthew Hall, did actually submit stuff to Weekending, which yeah. at that time was the sort of the topical comedy yeah. du jour on Radio 4. Um, yeah. And even even within that, the thing that should inspire me and everybody else is thinking, even within that, um, he did a joke. I remember Al Murray saying the thing that made me notice him was that everybody was trying to make a joke about leaves on the line. It was that time when oh, there's yeah. leaves on the line. And his joke was, after reporting leaves on the line, um, there's a, ra- a railway tunnel has been blocked by a giant conker. And he thinks, well, that's brilliant, because that, that is within the remit of Weekending, but still is identifiably a Harry Hill joke. I think I might have heard that from someone. Yeah. I can't remember why, mate. But it's that whole, I don't know how conscious I am in terms of process, but I always aim for that territory where it mm. is at once, you know, a, a gag you would laugh at, but yeah. also comments on something that is maybe something you care about that is happening at the moment. And I, always, yes. I think people like Harry Hill... And Sean Locke as well, more than people realise, sort of has a has the drop on. Yeah, you know, doing that. 
and like I say, good comedy is ambush. You think, well, what starting point is always what I what would I find funny and what how can I come at things from? I found the most when I've had most fun on stage is if I've got a story to tell and I've just gone up and said it like like you're saying it to your friends in the pub. Yeah, no, I've heard that from um, uh, Charlie Harrison, who sort of uh, mm. occasionally sort of does story nights, which is yep. more spoken word. Okay, and, and she was saying sounds that, like most of my gigs. <laughs> 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 but the thing about the story it's worth having a go at those or, or mixed open mics because it's good to get to an audience who aren't expecting comedy and the thing yep. about story nights she was saying was that f- freed from the obligation to be funny people were much more natural yes. and as a result were probably without meaning to were funny because then you know if you're not thinking oh, I've got to pack a laugh in every 15 seconds which yep. is a good thing to do but sometimes you know it's that whole thing of, of getting to things unexpectedly and you, I found that you have to sort of trick yourself into it. So yeah. I've given it, I've long since given up writing actually at a computer because yeah. it is like a script. And the difficulty then is if you forget it, it's difficult to, yeah. I found if it's in your notepad or even if I have to consult the notepad, it's still, it still doesn't feel like work, even though it is, if you see what I mean. So. Yeah. The way I prepare for a gig is I'll just go through my notes and go, oh, that's a funny bit. That's a funny bit. And just have this one word bullet points. Yeah. I have no, like no, no. Six things to talk about. Yeah, no. But then, then I, I can talk about it is more like spoken word. I can just say all that stuff, but I can't remember all the little tiny throwaway lines that I write. That really to you know, keep the joke rate up a little bit. When yeah. we talk, you just sort of do a throwaway, like when I said, "Oh, gender reassignment." Yeah, and that sort of throwaway thing. Yeah, I can't remember them. No, I know, and I guess that's one reason people record themselves gigging, isn't it, to capture all these little mo- things that yeah. are in the moment. And it's, uh, I don't know if you heard Mark Steele's radio series, In Town. Where no, that isn't a lot of radio. Well, right. I, th- I think it's a very, um, it's one of those sort of forms of comedy that's fallen from favour, partly because um, I think, you know, arguably, you know, it's just not something that people invest a lot of time or money in anymore. Yeah. Um, but it used to, that was my, that was my sort of big um, inspiration to do anything comedic. It was, well, it wasn't really stand-up. It was, mm. it was radio comedy. It was I used to listen to all the... Yeah. Um, Goon shows and yeah. Dead's Army on radio and not radio. F- I can't remember. It used to be years ago. It was like talks, whatever talk sport is now. Yeah. What it used to be 20 years ago was something completely different. It was like a proper talk shows. Yeah. No sport whatsoever. Yeah. No, I remember. Yeah. But but no, it did, um, sidetracked again. But Mark Steele always sort of, he said one of his motives in doing that series was the, the the capture that thing of a live gig where it can only be funny in at that time in that moment and that yeah. means you know going out to a town where the example of his, his, his sites is I forget where it was but he mentioned a neighbouring town and somebody heckled with the, or that that place is a sink of evil <laughs> and it's like it's that whole business of you know that could only occur in those circumstances and yeah. come out of that evening so it's, it's yeah. that whole again back to the notion of comedy as an ambush and you think well what's the and then that old saying about where you know have your second idea first, where you have your first idea and you think no everyone else will be thinking that what what's the next thing? Yes. So you you sort of you know you immediately discard what comes to mind first and mm. go for what comes second or the third even. And yeah, I have heard that before somewhere. Yeah. I really just, yeah. Just Sorry, a lot of my wisdom is second hand. No, no, it's it's reminded me that, I, that all this stuff that you know but don't actually ever think about. Yeah. So have you got anything you want to promote yourself? Um, uh, only myself, really. I, I, well, we've still got the the one of the, one of the many um things I got wrong about the sketch show. Edinburgh was, we did. We were supposed to have a Twitter feed that I was right. going to stoke up with just interesting things. Um, but uh, thanks to a Gmail 
failure. Right. I didn't actually know I'd received notification until after the show had finished. <laughs> so just out of sheer spite at <laughs> Gmail, I decided to keep it going afterwards. So if you see the Brad Wins Twitter feed, right. do still follow it because I do stoke it up occasionally. I do retweet things. And nice. and hopefully if we do something again next year, um, me, Chantel, and Jonathan, I hope we do, mm-hmm. then that hopefully it will have I will have corrected the error and it will be something that will have gained momentum. Otherwise, seek me out on Facebook and say hello whoever's listening and uh and and you know I'd, by all means do come see i should offer i do I, i've been very secretive about the work i do uh one possibility i haven't covered and oh. i suppose i should say is that <laughs> anyone from work who has chanced across this i'm aware i've got some explaining to do <laughs> there'll be questions you want answered um contact me privately and i'll do that <laughs> <laughs> it's all a g it's all above board yeah. but you know I'm covering the bases there. Somebody might chance across this and think. That's what I like about my job. I'm at the end of the line, so I don't ever get any crap from above. I'm just at the bottom. It all gets filtered out, and by the time it gets to me, I don't. Have, I just have to fix it, and then off it goes. Oh God, that'd nice. be nice. No, no politics for me. It's amazing. No, no one ever tells you off for using the word smorgasbord in a press release. There you go. There you go. So that's it for me. Well, I guess that means it's it from me as well. Unless I just sit here and talk without you for a bit. Yeah, if you can just turn the lights off and uh, lock up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming in. Well, my pleasure, James. Thank you for having me. Next week.